Hello, uh, welcome to another episode of A Little More Human. Uh, this is episode 14. Today we on the podcast, we have Brent Christie. Uh, Eric Johnson and Eric Mashila went on down south and interviewed Brent. Um, so this one's going to be a little bit different than usual, which we're kind of excited about. Uh, Eric, what did you guys talk about on this podcast? Yeah, so like you said, this is a little different. Brent is a cinematographer and uh, was the cinematographer on Camp Mana and a bunch of other things that we have done over the years. He's an amazing dude. Eric and I were down in Charlotte, North Carolina, where he works, and wanted to take advantage of the opportunity to talk to him. So we hung out and uh, definitely reminisced about some of the projects we've done together, um, and then also talked about some of the things that Brent's doing. But he's an incredible dude, has so much insight uh, there's an opportunity to learn a lot from him, not just about the filmmaking process, but just also about how you carry yourself professionally as a filmmaker. Um, it's, it's a lot of fun. I'm glad that we had a chance to talk to him. Awesome. All right. Well, enjoy the episode. Um, and until next time. Ready? This <laughs> volume. Wow. Oh, I can't do it. Door is shut, this is a gorilla podcast. A collection of interviews, conversations, and hangouts with some of our favorite humans. It's an opportunity for us to pull back the curtain and talk about how we all got here or are getting here. I guess you could say no edits. That's not just true. uncut conversations about things we've learned, mistakes we've made, and all the stuff that keeps us going. It's another way we hope to be a little more human. A little more human. To be more human. <laughs> There's something in there. This is the first remote podcast we're doing for the Gorilla Podcast. Um, and we're here with Brent Christie. Hey, guys. Hello, Brent. <laughs> hey, how you doing? So, Brent is a... We're down in South Carolina, by the way, right now. That's very attractive man. No. Brent <laughs> is a DP and now director, which we're going to hear about. But uh, the cinematographer on Camp Mana. Um, Most and, recently uh, with us. Yeah. Yeah. Our big budget... Uh, <laughs> film where he had lots of money for all the toys that he wanted and crew size and everything i believe Is yeah i'm correct, still right? i'm still i've still got um leftover expendable budget in my pocket today <laughs> i'm gonna buy a sandwich later <laughs> no i remember before we started and i brent came on kind of last minute and um i think i apologized in pre-production and i was like i'm sorry man at some point you're just gonna have to let it be <laughs> like it's not going to be the film that you want you you know it's not going to be the thing at the end of the, your life that you put your crown I mean, you on look at it and one comment we have never gotten on it is huh you guys didn't have a lot for lighting did you yeah like that's never been a cut like it just looks great it feels awesome it feels great um you did so much with so little but we did a know. lot of like one or two takes you know we tried not to push it because of how tight our production schedule was and then we had clouds the whole time, which were kind of a bummer when you watch the movie back. But in terms of moving quickly, we didn't have to. It worked out really nicely. When you're under all those trees, you can just fire and go. How so, did we get there, though? Like that's I'm trying to recount how we got there, Brent. Because um, I have a vague yeah. recollection of you in an office with Andy Phelps or something. Like yeah, that. yeah. What the how I got to you guys was must have been 2009. So it was you guys weren't even Sounds in that. Right. Off you guys weren't even in that office that was by the old Blockbuster, Jimmy John's. Blockbuster video. Yeah, days. so you guys aren't even there right now. I haven't even seen you. Mm -hmm. Well, we're in the other side of the building now. Got it. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So you were in a different building. Sweet 218. Yeah. There was like, I was, I was going through these little doorways and it was a... It was a stinky maze. Smelled like hookah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yep. Ethiopian food. Yep. Yes. yep. The And I had gotten Eric Mashila's contact through Andy Phelps. And I got Andy Phelps's contact through another guy named Mike Morgan, who I mm -hmm. went to Full Sail with. Right. So it was a big Full Sail University connection yep. that got, got us all together. And what were you doing at the time? Um, I was uh, I was working uh, with Dave and Matt Lowing at, at Lowing Light and Grip. They uh, had been great to me for many years and um, was uh, loading and unloading trucks and gear and, and just learning as much as I could about lighting. Um, and doing a, a couple projects with other companies, but um, I had gotten y'all's contact and seen some of the stuff you'd done, and it was the you guys were doing the Aaron Austin music video. That's right. That was the, the first thing. It's the first thing we did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And a funny story behind that is is a is a story that I tell to a lot of younger filmmakers about 
uh, burnout and making wise decisions about the jobs you take. Because that one, I double dipped and I took day, a day job during right. that one too. So it ended up being like a 53-hour commitment that I went through to do it. And I'm so glad I did because I met you all. But it, the, you know, at the end of it, I was like, oh, wow. You know, could have really <laughs> crashed my car and really, you know, gotten injured. So it was, what? It was Yeah, you could have, you said. What are you talking about? You I, could. Stay, I stay up for 53 hours oh, straight Oh, okay. I thought you were saying you did crash your oh, car. Oh, no, no. No, no, no I, I remember that. And oh, I, yeah. and, um, Maybe not the best way to put your first foot forward with like new DPs and stuff in town because they're like, why is that guy dragging butt? Yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. But also, I don't remember you dragging butt. Though. No, no, no. Dragging butt? Why did I just repeat? Just what half you said? a cheek. It was like, we, we can do swears on this. Dragging butt hole. <laughs> uh, Crinkle star. Yeah. No, <laughs> but. Uh, I'm in the South, man. I watch my language down here. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm wearing we're a church. We're on location in yeah, Charlotte, North Carolina. These are, Fort, without Kate to moderate, you know. We're in Fort Mill, South Carolina. Yeah, well, mm. we're somewhere by somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're by a border. Yeah, this is where Brent <laughs> lives now. So you live down here because you were in Michigan. Your career was growing. Yeah. Um, but the film incentive that was in Michigan went away. And while that didn't affect everyone particular to your job, that had an effect on you, correct? Yeah, it did. Yeah, I would have loved to have grown uh, as a DP in the West Michigan market because I loved working with you guys. I loved um, lowing light and grip. There were so many, mm-hmm. there were so many good connections there. Uh, not just from a business side, but as a community that I wanted to be in. So it was a tough decision, but... Um, my wife also graduated from Grand Valley State and she got her degree in art education. And there was, uh, we were putting feelers out in a couple different places and a job opportunity came up in Charlotte. And that's when we said, well, maybe that's that's one of the places I was looking at anyways. I had contacts from other films. So we gave it a shot. We've been here. Still giving it a shot. Gosh, how long has it been now? Eight years now. So what did, when you came down here, what roles were you playing on set and how did that, um, how did that evolve? Because I, I mean, what you're doing now, we'll get into this a little bit, but now, you know, it, you're directing yeah. even, to this point, which is really interesting to me. You know, obviously been DPing for a while, but talk me through that process because you rose pretty quick. My, my foot in the door has always been that I loved lighting and I loved filmmaking. And I, I think it was always getting in to film communities where maybe a lighting person wasn't always a constant so being able to say I I love what you guys are doing can I help you do the lighting and that's you know how our relationship started and then as I started to do uh, started to get to the gaffer level with you guys and then then just threw it all away and left and moved away. <laughs> I uh, you know started over again and was uh, mostly as an electrician and you know switched my 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 card in the union from Michigan to the Carolinas and but you um, had to go back. You had to dip back down. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's such a trust industry, right? So, like absolutely. relationships. Yep, it was building trust again. Um, th- there's a lot of uh, larger churches down here who do some pretty high level video work. So I was I got into the mix with a lot of uh, those creatives who have since moved on to do their own freelance work, and uh, we've stayed in touch. And that was that was a great way to get into the commercial side of it. The feature side, I was. Uh, constantly trying to take more and more lighting gigs and a good friend of mine Chris Kimlin was um, you know he brought me on as gaffer on uh, Mom's Night Out which was an Irwin Brothers oh, yeah. uh, production mm-hmm. in, the, in the faith-based community and uh, that was that was where I was able to get a lot more work just as a gaffer. Chandler was on that too wasn't he? Chandler came out with me Casey McClurkin was out there another, uh-huh. another name from Grand Rapids <laughs> and just uh, throwing them down just yeah. so you know you know everybody's going to be really you know, shocked to hear these names. Our listeners, <laughs> we would say our wait, listeners wait, in Oregon. Also know Casey McClurkin. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but no, all these great guys who um, so good who should be doing uh, bigger features. You know, came, yeah. came out and we did we did right. that film together. So it's moments like that when you know people speak into your life and yeah, um, you know, again, very much like my experience with you guys. I love, uh, I've always loved every production, and that's always been uh, the the peak for me or the you know i'm looking for that plateau again always is finding that community of people who just want to make things and who are generous with each other uh when they're making them see like it's so funny like on on the other side of it because your career the way that you've grown it is so impressive to me like i just think like you've really found a way to build quickly and and it's you know certainly your talent without a doubt i mean what you did on mana was so little is incredible but i think um, the 
the temperament you bring to it and the way you do it is so much a part of probably why it went so fast. So I, on the outside, like I look at it and go, you know, I'm so impressed by what you're building. And you always say stuff like that. You're always like, yeah, I'm just looking for that, like, you know, uh, way to work the way that, you know, we've worked together on projects and things like that. And I think from the other side, I'm going like, man, like, why do you keep saying that? Like, you're doing awesome shit. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you're in a bigger film market and you're moving up into those levels. Um, I think it's impressive. Yeah, you know, the, to bring it all back to mana, though, those are the kind of features I want to make. You know, we, we all joke about <laughs> the conditions. We all joke about... Uh, Let's talk about the conditions. <laughs> yeah, you know, we Did stay, you sleep in a five or four-star hotel? I can't remember. You know, they, um, <laughs> the reviews weren't up yet on Yelp. I think, <laughs> I think they were pending. No, we, you know, we stayed on... I, we all stayed on a campsite together. <laughs> you know, there were... Uh, it was a very communal experience. I keep coming back to that word, but it's... Yeah. I think that's that's what it is. And we're all out there. You did know. you have your own cabin or did you share it? So uh, my wife came up and then at the time I, I only had a five-month-old son. And so they, they came up for a little bit, but we have you know friends and family in Michigan. So when they uh, went to nicer accommodations, <laughs> I moved in with my camera team and we all, we, we all bunked together for the last uh, two weeks, I think. Did you, yeah. ever, what, yeah. did you ever wake up with like squirrels? And I woke up with squirrels in my cabin. <laughs> yes. Like four or five times, just and you're just sleeping and you're hearing this noise, and you just open your eyes and this thing's just like whipping around the cabin. It wasn't like the kind of squirrel in your cabin where you're like, oh my god, I'm in nature, so cute. Like it's like this thing is trapped and it's really upset about it. And if I move too quickly, it's gonna think I'm the reason. <laughs> yeah, there was there was often um, uh, foreign offenders coming into <laughs> whether it was. You know, there's, I think there's a lot of people who couldn't sleep, you know, maybe uh, were louder at night. You know, there's, there's all sorts of things. In yeah. That, that sort of thing that make it fun. But, uh, but uh, Justin and, and Bradford, my yeah. two ACs that um, they've, uh, they've been so good to me and they're DPs and uh, writers, directors in their own right. That's, yeah, that's Justin's doing a bunch of stuff. That, that's kind of the magic of, I think what we all do is that we, when we all come together in, in those moments, you know, we're all, everybody's got a goal upward and something yeah. that I experienced a lot, even from the gaffer to DP transition was, oh, but aren't you the gaffer guy? But aren't you the, mm -hmm. but you do the lighting stuff, like, right? So no, this they want to the, pinhole you, they want to yeah. put you in a role. I mean, it's that's a big, so it's human, a big thing. right? No, like, it's, it's a big thing. Like, you know, uh, when I, I, I reference Adam Carolla way too much, but we're on a podcast, so it makes sense. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but he was talking about when Thank he was you. started to do stuff with K-Rock Studio. And Jimmy Kimmel got him on. And after his bit was done, they didn't really need him anymore. And he still wanted to be a part of it. And he even said, I'll do anything. I'll drive the truck. And Kimmel said, don't drive the truck. Because if you drive the truck, you're going to be the truck driver. And I think that that's pretty important. And I really, and even like the first movies I worked on in Michigan during the incentive, I was ACing and cam opping. And then when I called these guys back, because I was directing a commercial or trying to get them down to Mexico, in particular, Mike Ammon, our sound guy, he was like, I thought you were an AC. <laughs> it's like, yeah, exactly. uh, yeah. Oh, I can be. Um, I can't anymore, by the way. I can not know how to work the camera anymore, barely. But yeah, in terms of like actually being able to uh, establish who you are and what you want to be. That's why it's a, for a lot of times when interns come in or new people, I ask the first question is, what, what do you want to do? And they're like, man, whatever. And they're trying to be cordial and just say whatever you need. Yeah. But I'd rather them say, I want to be an editor. I want to be a shooter. Then at least I know where to put them. How did you get over that barrier? How did you cross that threshold? Because it is, it's not even a film thing. It's just a human thing. Like we feel safe when we can put people into a category. And I think we're seeing yeah. a lot of, you know, culturally yeah. there's a lot of the negative of that that's coming out right now where we very quickly want to like label someone and then go like good, bad or the other. But, um, and that's a whole other conversation, but I think in film, um, it's really easy to become, yeah, you're the sound guy or you're the AC or whatever, even though you have aspirations and even talent to something else. How do you cross those thresholds? Because there is a proving ground stage as well. Yeah, I think you have to go out and fail at the thing you want to do for quite a while. And, put, mm. you know, whether it's the Malcolm Gladwell 10,000 hours idea, I think it's I think it all kind of goes back to that realm. But I know for me, it was, uh, boy, I just, you know, there's a lot of short films. I, I just got to shoot more, just have a body of work to, to share that. You know, it's not, I'm not just in words. Yeah, I'm a DP because half of that too is is also saying yes and then figuring out how to do it later. I think some of that happens where, yes. where a lot of, even, you know, the 
one of my first gaffing jobs was getting into it as in a replacement role where I was like, okay, you ready to do this? And sure yeah great and then it's like okay what should i be doing here what, uh-huh. you know what's you know it's putting in the work uh, amongst it all and i think that's that's an interesting point though because i think that i talk a lot about this quite often too um because it that never changes right you're always sort of saying yes to something that you can get to but maybe haven't been to before yeah and i think that people oftentimes disassociate like the um what it is to make a promise Right. This idea that I think a lot of people are like, well, if I haven't done it before, then I can't promise that I can do it because that's dishonest. And I always try to reframe that and go like, no, the promise that you're making is your ability to solve that problem and deliver a result. It doesn't mean that you've done it before. It means that you're committing to doing it well by whatever means necessary. And if that means educating yourself, if that means putting people around you that know how to do something you know, in the commercial world, we end up. You know, the first time we ever did a VR film, someone was like, you guys, do you guys do, you know, VR? And I was like, oh, sh- yeah, sure. Like, what do you want to do? We got in the car and I was like, do we, like, what is VR? Like, what, <laughs> what, what exactly is that? You know what I mean? But they weren't saying like, you guys do like open heart surgery, right? You know what I mean? I was like, yeah, no problem. Right. It's, it was within the realm of something that I'm like, I can say yes to this in a genuine way and know that I can solve this problem, right? Like I can commit to this. And I, I, th- I think growth in film, so much of it, you have to be able to do that. You have to be able to know your boundaries, but then also know like, you know, kind of where the next foothold is that you can, you know, make a commitment to get to because you're always ins- aspiring. Yeah, I think there's there's a place when I was coming through, coming through that or crossing that line of gaffer to DP where taking all these jobs and I'm just trying to do more and more of it with new people is a big part of it because hopefully others are on that ride with me of wanting to do bigger and better things together. So whether it's short film, whether it's uh, even shooting weddings, you know, Mm -hmm. probably done 150 weddings in, you know, the last 12, 13 years. And it's just, you know, being able to instinctually have a camera and know if you miss, you know, the, the, the kiss, well, that's worse than, (laughs) you know, missing, uh, you know, a a pan. You don't get any take. You don't get any more takes, you know, (laughs) there's a lot of like those mini training things that maybe you don't see it at the time, but you realize later that you were in training. Those are the 10,000 hours for sure. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I think that's part of it is weddings. And I think some of it is, you know, even to this day, I I mean, it's gotta be under, uh, 50%, um, overall of the content of content the whatever I shoot is it's either you know I do a lot of features now I guess the last two years that's it's a different comment but when it was doing a lot more commercial you know maybe 50% or less is shared the rest of it is that was a great experiment you know me and that director I don't think we connected well or you know oh, really? the, or, or even in terms of I took that job uh, thinking I could uh, swoop in and do well with a little budget and it was probably a disservice to take the job in the first place because mm-hmm. it almost feels like it was uh, impossible to. Yeah, it was impossible. Mm-hmm. So trying to deliver something um, as the low budget guy and then just delivering something that I wasn't happy with at the end of the day, you know, it was a great learning lesson. Dude, it's, 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 it's weird to me to think about like you and the director not getting along. Yeah, because it's so <laughs> difficult for me well, to imagine just, too. That's one thing. And, and you taught me a phrase and you, you used to, say this and I always love it and I use it now too is you if I I don't even know exactly I'm trying to think of like an exact situation but you would just say like to me like I appreciate you after like a shot or something or if I could give you more time or something which on man it was like another 38 seconds but (laughs) um, there was just always this and so when our other DP he had a family thing he actually had a baby coming and stuff and found it wasn't the best maybe to get involved with Kent Man at the time which was wise but as soon as that happened and we called you and you were willing to do it, like I was pumped, man, because there's something about your attitude. Like that's why if you came to us and said, hey, I want to do anything on your set. Um, I, I would like to do crafty on your set. <laughs> I'd say, first of all, that's a waste of your time. But if you did want to do it, I would let you do it because just having your positivity around is. I think the word you're looking for is aura, I believe. It wasn't. No, <laughs> um, no but having your positive Aura. Aura. Okay, fine. <laughs> now I can't get it out of my head. No, but having that around it, I mean, that's what makes 
that's why I think you're able to move from this, that to the other. If you came on and you're a bit of a sourpuss, you're not, you're not going to move up to gaffer or DP or be able to have opportunities with directing. So that's just a good thing too. And I don't know how you're able to always maintain, and I'm sure you have your dark moments, but I've never seen them. Yeah. What's one of the um, <laughs> biggest challenges you've had? Cause you alluded to it there, right? It's a, this is the balance, yeah. right? You're, you're making promises and you're trying your best to keep them. But as sort of the fog clears and you actually know what you're dealing with, sometimes that becomes really difficult or it puts you in a compromising situation. Kind of what's some of the hardest things that you've experienced that you've maybe learned the hard way from? Yeah, that's a great question. I, th I think going back to those moments where there was uh, not a creative connection, I mm -hmm. think. Okay. I think the first thing that I go to is great you know we've taken all this time to get along or get to know each other in pre-pro you know you get to you get to meet other people who are, have families and to me as you know a father and a husband you know before filmmaker i think at the end of the day that perspective is so helpful in saying okay this is this production it's going to go away you know um, it's to, to me it's not worth a, a fight with a person over a creative thing if there's an element that a director and i don't see eye to eye on uh, to me, it's, you know, I'll, maybe it's two, I allow myself two pushbacks. And then if the third time it's like, no, it's this great, let's, let's dig in together. And I'll try to dig out of the hole with you. I don't see it. I don't see it <laughs> yeah. yet, but it, maybe something will become apparent. So I think, um, try not to attach yourself to those moments in creativity or as it's not, it's not, uh, your fault. It's, and it's not blaming anybody else, but knowing you just, you just, you're just live in this um, constantly moving uh, amoeba, you know, this, this disgusting visual, but it's, <laughs> but it's really what a production is, is you're all ebbing and flowing and maybe one department falls down and that's, that's when you can pick it. You know, I'd rather be quick to pick them up because when I fall down, I hope somebody that would do the same. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking, well, I was thinking too, like with mana, uh, not to bring it back to that all the time. No, we're going to bring it back to that a but, lot. But I mean, it that's was the last just, thing we, that's a fire we went through. Yeah. Together. Like <laughs> when everyone's trying to pick each other up, it was the day that Busey got there. Cause there's a couple of times I remember that we butt heads a little bit. And one was, um, it was like day seven. So you're getting into the grind a little bit. Busey's there. And we're establishing a look. It's like, okay, this is yeah, what is. But we had this good look going the first week. And then the second week was all that piss and rain. It was like we were in that cloud. It was 50 degrees. To, You're trying to, to give keep it some context. Uh -huh. We're shooting a camp movie in August. This Kids are supposed it, to be swimming. Yeah. It's 50 degrees and pissing rain. And you don't have the luxury of doing anything but continuing to shoot your movie. No extras. Which is a terrifying feeling. And you're, so you move slower in the rain. No extras have showed up. We had to change our shot sizes to be able to. It was freaking cold. Make like extras like in the movie. We had to put our crew in, in the background. But then we were up on top of the blob platform one time. And I don't know what got into us. But all of a sudden, I just was like, are we going to be able to do this? Or like the ADL, what's what's taking so long? And you were like, I don't know. The director doesn't isn't communicating with me. Or something <laughs> like that. And I was like, dude. And then I was like, but after that, we I think after a couple of shots later, we we talked quick. You know, we just it was over. It was water under the bridge. Yeah. Before well, I think it was that's even part of it, right? Like, is that ability to to I always oh there, there, I always you can't have any, you can't take anything. You got to be able to get personally. into some arguments when you respect the person already. There's no way you can take anything personally, right? Yeah, you've got to be able to get yourself into a position where um, you're working together in a way that is all oriented towards the same goal. And it doesn't mean that it's a, you're not going to grind sometimes, right? It doesn't mean that it's not going to be mm -hmm. difficult um, in the moment. But I think the moments like that are difficult because everybody's trying to achieve the same thing in the same direction. But how do you like, how do you perceive? Well, that's me trying to make the day. It's you trying to make a shot look good, even though literally it can't. Yeah. You can, you uh, can have an argument with someone and still be in service of the other person. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Right. And it seems to me like that's so much of the DP director relationship, not the argument part, but I'm saying that this constant sort of, it's like the tension in between that's created is where the sweet spot is maybe. A lot of the night shooting too, man, like all this stuff with the girls that didn't even make the movie got cut, but yeah. that we were really rushing on that one. That was the one day I think we went 12 and a half, which I was pretty proud of us always being able to stay on 12, which helped because we were staying on camp. So we could just like move over and we were done. Yes. Um, but yeah, there was one night where I was like, we got to move. And you're like, it's not going to look good. I'm like, I know. <laughs> and then you're like, and then you looked at me like, okay, ready. <laughs> Ready to go. And uh, so I, I really appreciate that 
about you too, just being able to ebb and flow with us. Pick your battles yeah. sometimes. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Because I think we all have those moments of weakness where you are brought down to the core of yourself as a human of just a, oh, yeah. a snappy comment or a, or you know something is just not going well and it's it and there's yeah. so many eyes there's all, oh my you know, god when you get into leadership positions all of a sudden every, you know you do have to answer for more things so in you know that's a great moment i, I think about that a lot Eric, yeah because that was that's a great example of just uh me coming out in a moment of weakness and feeling uh, the pressure and but like you said just okay just decompress that moment was that moment let's let's move on oh yeah i was in a helicopter in malaysia one time and um we were fer- filming like bear, you do. bear yeah. girls <laughs> like it you was do. a bear girls thing and <laughs> and i was hanging out this helicopter with this red one which weighed about you know 40 pounds with everything on it and the red one was not attached to anything so the only thing it had it was meat and the director what were you attached to uh, a cable or so uh, two cables. Okay. Uh, Bear, Bear Grylls safety guy was there and he was like belaying me down a bit. So I was hanging over the side of the helicopter oh. and the director wanted to see. And so he was trying to grab the monitor and like spin it while it's in my hands. And I, that's like the biggest I've ever snapped at somebody because it felt both unsafe. And, and then afterwards I kind of felt bad. And that's when he, and this guy, his name was uh, Sunu. He was a great, great dude, but he, immediately was like, oh, I didn't take that personally for a second. And I remember that moment realizing like, oh, this is a guy who's a professional. He knows that we respect each other. There was a moment where if somebody didn't feel safe or wasn't able to do their job well, the other person snapped. Water under the bridge, man. And the problem is when you can't move past it, it's probably because there wasn't a respect there to begin with. Absolutely. That's a big part of it. And not even a respect, sometimes maybe a trust, which are mutual in some ways. But I really appreciate you saying that again. I'm really curious how you would articulate the relationship between a cinematographer and a director. That's a question I've never asked you before, which actually seems, now that it's coming out of my mouth, like seems really dumb, Mm -hmm. right? How did we make an entire movie together? And, you know, I've never asked you that question. Like what, (laughs) you know, just define, like, what do you think the the boundary lines are on that? And where do they cross over? Where did, you know, where is that a kind of gray area? How do you perceive that? Having done both roles, because I've never done both roles. I think that with my limited perspective on the level of production that I've been DP on, I think I can only speak into moments of, I mean, I think it's great to have Camp Mana as as something to keep talking about because as a cinematographer on that movie, my job was to join you guys who've had 10 years of pre-production so to speak you know <laughs> yeah. you guys said you guys not had, a badge we were proud well probably. you guys had lived no i think that's uh a great, I'm just kidding. The, no that's a, it's such a big part of any of the films that i've loved working on is that the director was so deep in it and both of you mm. guys were deep in it and and that yeah. meant a lot is it was that, part of us at that point and being able to come alongside and in in seeing the final film guys like uh, rich brower get deserve a lot of credit for how mm. that happened happened because you know he came in and and helped you guys later tyler Grimm yeah came in in a, in a big role and you guys took moments at the camera and to me it's not about being the one guy who touches everything and and dials it in it's it's about being um there is a management level of okay this is the goal here how do we achieve this the best we can if it means Mashila jumps on a camera if it means ej you jump in uh with the second camera handheld to get some audience stuff while we're filming this yeah. big scene. I forgot about some of that. Yeah, we had to do that sometimes. Yeah, it's 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 kind of managing. Okay, great. We need to do this now. And I think coming. I think it's coming in with um, ideas based on uh, the director's preferences. You know, I th- I think you guys had great um, ideas in terms of. I can't remember if we had a, a true mood board or anything other than or just other than multiple references. But knowing those references and knowing what you love to see and. Uh, I, th- I think uh, what what helped me on that film was Heavyweights was such a big mm-hmm. movie for me yes. in my childhood. And yeah, it's it's still a top ten movie just because of who I was when I saw it. I don't think it'll ever hold up for uh, you know the viewings. I still I think ben, it, ben Stiller's 
in that movie. He's one ben of my Stiller favorite villain characters one, in a movie. You know, Judd Apatow, early Judd Apatow. <laughs> I mean, the, all the Mighty Ducks kids coming into a fat camp. It's <laughs> it's a great movie. Paul Feig has a small role in it. Yep. He, you know, it's all these comedy moments that just work so well. Didn't Paul Feig direct it or did... Maybe I'm um, wrong. I think about he, that. well, I know, Avatar Steve, wrote it. Steve Brill. I mean, there's, oh, yeah. maybe, but there's people who can look that up, I guess. I, I feel embarrassed. <laughs> so just, we should put our producer on that. Yeah, I'm that's sure they're trying <laughs> If you could just, oh, yeah. just verbally cut into this podcast and let us know. <laughs> the, but, but that's, um, I'm going on a tangent here, but that, that cheat of, I, I love camp movies. Yeah. I love you guys. And <laughs> coming into that situation as your DP was, it was great because then it's when you are working together to lift this thing up, whatever those little pieces are that fall away where I, I can't I physically operate every single thing. I can't do it. everything. I asked EJ, I asked you to operate the shot where we were right in front of arrows because, you know, because we were just sort of, the flaming arrows that were going off. Oh, because, yeah. Because there were things where I was like, well, the crew is this and. No, the better way to say it, I didn't ask you, but you said, I'll do it. And then you jumped in and just directed this moment of flying arrows over your head for these, <laughs> for these shots. And I, I, I share that to say, you know, it takes all these moments to uh, keep each other whole, keep each other going and get the vision. The true vision that you wanted was being right there next to an arrow flying. And <laughs> the best way to do it was you jumped on and, and stole it. And that's that's kind of, we were all just like I think that that's, that is... Uh, Maybe a strength and a weakness, though, in, in feature, in narrative world, yeah. right? Because mm. so much of where Eric and I started was documentary work, right? Like that first, how many countries did we do in those first three years? Mm -hmm. You know, Lots. 30, yeah. maybe even? Like a ton. Um, and part of documentary work is the inverse of film. A feature film set, right? There's so much liability. And uh, not only that, there's just, you know, a lot of people you have to be. I've been on, we, we were on a set once where someone... A light fell on a woman and broke her back. Oh my I mean, it was, it was pretty serious, right? So in that world, you have the ability to make choices that keep it safe. And I mean, that's a big problem of in, with indie movies, right? The smaller that you get, the more unsafe the films get a lot of times, right? And even in that moment, I think probably the reason I said, hey, let me do it, is just because that way, not only was it not putting you in harm's way, I think more than that for me, it was not putting you in a compromised position where you had to exemplify something to your crew that you mm. didn't feel comfortable with, yeah. right? Because I know you pretty well and like you're, you know, it's not like you're a timid guy, it, but yeah. it wasn't really about that, right? But for me, like... I think that that actually is something I have to check a lot of times on feature films is because coming from that documentary experience where it's just like, yeah, I'll just jump on this van and we'll just get like a dolly shot. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's just like, I'll just hang on with one hand and we'll film it with the other. And, uh, you know, we'll be fine, right? Like, it's just India. Like, but you that doesn't translate as well to a feature film set. And I, I think yeah, I oftentimes like the... find like, Especially with the gaffers, be like, hey, hey, dude, like, you know, maybe two steps down in that ladder, you know? Like, yeah. And uh, to land the plane a little bit on your original question, uh, I think as I've, as I'm continually learning, as I continually grow as a DP, I think the best experiences I've had is when I come in and help with the foundation in pre-production of yeah. shot listing, of mood, of lighting and all those things. We come in with that big foundation, that structure, and then we let it fall away and not hold on too tightly in the moments of these this actors doing a great thing he's not going to stand in this beautiful moment where i could put a great light how do we still how do we tell the story and finding those moments okay this is the this is what the story is the story is not in this six shot blocking of the scene that we saw in pre-production it's live right right now on camp man i was in a cabin in this moment okay this is real this is how it's gonna live on and these guys look great in this. Mm -hmm. The way they're performing is way better than we blocked it anyways. And, you know, you, I think you do have that thing too of where there, there's original um, conception of the script and then you get it to your keys and other, and then everybody else has their perspective and then the actors get in and it becomes alive. And in that third version of the script, I think you have to be really sensitive to what that is, who your actors are. And as a DP, I, trying not to fall in love with what I thought that character was going to be and know who that character is becoming through that actor. And, you know, and, and as a director, seeing that experience differently, you know, I would hope that there is some safety in knowing in the DP director relationship that there is that support of, okay, how do we flex here? 
oh, you know, that that is not as harsh as I thought that character was going to be. Mm-hmm. And it, it could be fine. It could be to the betterment of the movie. And we say, okay, well, that the way we had them so contrasting in this scene, let's build them up here because they're bringing us something much better than what we thought. And uh, I mean, regardless, I mean, I guess on the, the backside of things, if it's on a terrible thing where it's like, boy, this actor is is just not what we thought it was. <laughs> yeah. How do we salvage this? Yeah. Then it's, it's, okay, find these moments together. Yeah. And I think regardless of the positive or negative, being able to come in or go to those moments that we've already touched on of, are you sure you want to do it this way? Yes. And then being able to say, being able to push back just enough and say, okay, I've, I've said what I was going to say director take the wheel because that's it's got to be that way at the end of the day i think that's like an important aspect that we've had to learn though and maybe this is just it's trend it's transitioning from documentary work it's transitioning from commercial work as well because both of those environments like in documentary work you're reacting to something that's happening you have no control over what that is but whatever you're capturing is pretty much exactly what you're going to get on the back end, right? You, you you can control a little bit through how you edit it together, whatever, but what you see is what you get. And I think in commercial work, it's it's a little different because you are concepting something, whether it's a brand piece or whatever, but you have so much uh, more freedom to really hone in on your vision and it's compressed in such a short period of time that very often still it is very much as what what you see is what you get, right? What I put on the boards, I have the ability to control this enough to walk away with something that more or less feels exactly like the thing that I pitched. Um, In 30 seconds, I can do that. With a feature film, I think like a big education for me has just been this idea that exactly what you said, this idea that it evolves through stages. The thing that you start creating um, takes on a life of its own in a way that these other formats do not. I mean, do you, do you agree with that? Do you think so, E? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I totally agree. Yeah, narrative, long form filmmaking is a really specific thing. It's there's nothing like it. I think that's why I'm a that's why I'm addicted to the indie uh, feature film world in the incentive based filmmaking where it's a lot of smaller productions, but you're going after something and you know you kind of know what's tangible, what's not, and you know, a lot can come to life and surprise you in those moments. There is, there's always going to be that, but I mean, the auteurs who have time and budget and stuff, they can craft basically like they, they create a Rembrandt more than we can because in the indie world, we have to be flexible. We have to roll with it. Like it's a doc in a little bit. I think so. But I think some of it, yes, obviously, you know, Avengers is probably (laughs) pretty close to, you know, where they're trying to go with it. Mm -hmm. But the one thing that w- was just interesting to me is like how much as a director um, your own temperament comes out in the piece, right? So you have your vision and you have your story that you want to tell and you have what you think the audience wants and what you think works. But there's this X factor of your own temperament, I think, that I didn't realize. Like going back to Mana, when we got into post in Mana and we started to put ourselves in the audience shoes as we were editing it, we found ourselves cutting things out of the film that I would have never imagined we would have cut out of the film in script phase because in script phase it was working really well. But once we got into the edit, I think like you can't help but let your worldview or your perspective shape the way that the film is coming out. So in Mana's case, I think it came out much more of a much more heart than I think what I expected to come out. And I wasn't intending to make a movie with that much heart. I don't think either of us were. Not to say that there wasn't any in it. But I think we were much more going for, you know, satire and like a little more hard edge comedy. And then you get into that edit. And I think the way that you perceive your audience really influences the choices you make. And it just keeps evolving because now you get to a final product and it is a full seven or eight steps away from that thing that you started just, you know, throwing shit at the wall with ideas with or whatever. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Gary Busey, we worked with him. Yeah. We sure did. Everybody has a story <laughs> who worked with him. What's yours? My favorite story of Gary <laughs> Busey is just him and I. We were walking back on the beach after, um, <laughs> you know, he'd scream a lot of things at us on set while uh, other actors were performing. He was out in the scene, but maybe he had an opinion about us. <laughs> you have so, such a nice way of putting that. So reg- regardless of whatever that experience was, the one in my memory is walking back with him. Uh, we, You know, he had mentioned... Um, you know, I, I'm having a great time in this film. This is almost as fun as that time that I 
was in a helicopter and lethal weapon. I was shooting a machine gun down at at whatever he was shooting at the scene. I was like, I was like, really? What was that like? And and then immediately the wall came up and it turned into a fart joke. <laughs> I was uh, he, for the first time he was, he was opening up and I thought we were going to hear this great. I was going to hear this great industry story. And, and no, is how dare you? <laughs> you just get that little bit. So while it's, <laughs> a, little, it's a little moment, but it's, I think it's a great representation of that experience as a whole. Yeah, he used to fart and say, mm, pocket frog. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, God. You know, yeah. That, that happened a lot too. Yeah, God. <laughs> God spelled backwards or dog spelled backwards is God. That's what one other one is. Simple. Um, that's so cool. Yeah. What I was going to say too, so all of a sudden we find out that you directed a feature, but and I mean, I'm not on the socials, so maybe that's part of it. But I don't think you did. You talk about that much on social media because when I was connecting with you over this, hey, we're going to come down and talk or whatever, I was not aware that you had transitioned from man to woman. You know, that <laughs> man to woman. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, um, and then back. Um, but I wasn't aware that you had gone and, and directed a film and maybe that's just Instagram algorithms not putting it at the top of my feed they uh, get to decide what's important and apparently it wasn't <laughs> um, to them but were you talking about that or is this something you sort of did under the radar and then now it's out there in the world I came into a, uh, an interesting opportunity so so, so but where we are right now I've directed DP'd three movies where it's really only been under that helm where what do you mean by that so i was all, i was a director and the dp on on these three movies from uh, it came from a circumstance of a director leaving the first movie okay and all of a sudden you know a gary wheeler uh, who's been a good friend over these last few years we've made a good handful of movies together and we're both sitting there uh, eating lunch thinking about the next director and uh, it just we were just kind of sitting there, and I think it made sense. And that, boy, I wonder if I could do it. And mm. really, and I think you know this this one time, you know, it's, I can jump in. You know, this we know what this movie is. We we know how we want to make it, and it was of a, a certain um, nothing's easy. But it, we we had been down that road uh, probably four other times in where I shot a movie that he produced, and so we we know the kind of things that we're making. Uh, in this realm and so uh, an opportunity came up and so I director DP'd that film and uh, I think it went well enough that we did a couple more so that's kind of so have that's you kind been the, the director and the DP on all of them you've been on, both? on those three yeah wow talk it's, about mm, that that's a yeah, lot it's a it's a great experience I, I think it, you know it's a very specific thing it's a a, a smaller film that uh, these smaller films that uh, you know, there's a, a smaller production window. It's under a month that you make it. So, uh, really, uh, it, it takes great support. So, Justin okay. Robinson, who we've talked about, mm -hmm. who's one of my ACs on um, Mana, on Mana, he's he's come alongside and been the camera operator on all those films. And they just, you know, and they Brad, Bradford does he doing second or first? Thing? Uh, Bradford's first thing. On yeah. Films, so you get so. to just almost put that stuff out of your mind completely yeah, it, yeah. because you trust those guys. So when much. there's when there's moments where you know the actor director relationship has been such a um, one of my favorite parts about the whole process of of how important that is and how um, how much time needs to be spent there. People mm -hmm. like Justin become essential to mm -hmm. making it done because there's a vision. Again, we have that foundation that we come into it with. And then when we're going live, Hey man, uh, I think if we, you help me find something in this realm, we can, we can do it. So it's, it's really him being my operator and knowing the style that I like. And I've been a DP for Justin on the films that he's written and directed. So we have a shorthand, we have, uh, we know what we like together visually. So that goes a long way in making those happen. So, um, as far as promotion or, you know, talking about it on social media, it's one of those things where you know I'm I'm so I'm so glad I'm I'm I've had those experiences I'm, and uh, you know I'd be very open be glad to have more of them but at the same time I'm, you know, I'm still a cinematographer mm. first and I've, that's always been my first love and so um, while uh, you know those opportunities uh, may be out there uh, you know I, I, I still um, 
love that visual side of things when it comes to social media and talking about lighting plots. Or I like having that social experience of talking about um, how to light a thing or, you know, what's the what's the crazy way we we messed up the lighting on this thing? What what would somebody else have done better? You know, that's that's kind of the social media world that I live in right now. And there wasn't really a space for that discussion otherwise. So yeah, I, mean, I just haven't made time for it, but that's, yeah. that's kind of where I'm at. But I think that speaks to something that is like, you know, especially now, you know, we talk a lot on the podcast just about how quickly all of the um, formats of storytelling are continuing to diversify, right? It's almost like a cell just keeps on splitting, right? And there's all these mediums that you can uh, you know, talk about either what your brand or your craft or yourself or whatever on and yet you know what i take away from what you're saying is like yeah that's all great but um the thing that really matters is uh trust and relationship that predicates kind of all of this stuff yeah it's, it's really the only way i've found uh to move forward in the film industry is just work with people you like and mm -hmm. and and i think you find those people often there's been many times where i've been on a set where um, maybe I've met a PA who's hired me years later, you know, to do the same role that I'm, you know, I've, I've gaffed on a thing, met a PA and they've hired me on a thing that they executive produced years later. And I think it's, wow. I think it's knowing, knowing people. I, th I think it's also from the standpoint of doing as many jobs as you can, being on the lowest level grip or, you know, rigging electric where there's just, you're just laying out cable for hours and, you know, and then you usually don't see anybody on the rigging crew because you go rig it, then you go rig the next one, and you come back and clean up. There's like a lot of that stuff, and I think you can you can take that to really any industry. You know, if you work in the mailroom, then you get to be, have a larger office, and you see the mailroom guy. You knew what it was like to be yeah. in the mailroom. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think having that respect all around is, is such a big part of all of this. Is knowing all those little roles that that maybe don't. Um, have as big of a credit, you know, on the back ends, you know, they roll by really fast, you know, when you're watching a movie, but it takes, it takes all those hands. It does not happen. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I think that's why, I mean, I always love the camera crew because that's kind of where I started a lot on the camera crew. It was a lot of the stuff I was doing. I mean, I went to full sale as well and it was all about cinematography. I was learning how to shoot film, which is one of the reasons me and Eric got to know each other because he found out that I knew how to shoot film. But man, like I actual film, like yeah, yeah, like sixteen millimeter. Oh yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, like film, film. <laughs> um, but then I quickly learned, man, I'm just like went not cool enough for the camera crew. They are always the funnest and coolest guys. And I was like, I gotta get out of this racket. <laughs> <laughs> They're gonna sniff me out. And that's the same thing, even with like J Rob and Bradford too. I'm like, those guys are just cool. Like, yeah. Remember when we first met met them? We were at that brewery in Traverse. Remember that's they right. came in and yes. We went out and I was like, of course, these guys look cooler than us. It's just like guaranteed. <laughs> They're amazing. Well, and, yeah. you know, bringing it all back around, I think we've all come together and, you know, we've all found, a th we found our community and what the, what the job need is today, but tomorrow, you know, I hope to shoot something for Justin. I hope to shoot something for Bradford one day. I hope mm -hmm. he shoots something for me one day. I hope we all just kind of grow together and not see each other as uh, this need I have, this next film that second AC role, if it's not you, I'm screwed. What do I do? Of course, I want all these roles to be filled with the best people, but mm -hmm. uh, you also have to be willing to grow a little bit and that evolution of, yeah, what's the next thing? And like you said earlier, I think it's, you know, figuring out what, what are the true desires of the people you work with and yeah. how, do you, how do you help them succeed in that? Yeah, I'd love to, we'd love to give you an opportunity to DP for us again in a way that can show off what you can do a little bit more. It'd be so fun. I mean, that's we talk about that all the time. It's it's. I think that's the the tricky thing about getting the opportunity to make your own thing, right? There's this, sort of this catch twenty two, where um, to make your own thing, you've got to start at a point that um, inevitably you're not doing everything. It's not best practice, right? You're not applying best practice to everything. You're trying to find a way to get the most out of a little. And then eventually continue to level up with that. And doing that in, a, there's there's two very specific ways that you see people do that, I think. Like there's a way to do that where you just step on everyone to sort of climb that ladder as fast as you can. And there's a way where you do that by continuing to secure the foundation of the people around you and grow together like you're talking about. And I've definitely seen both, right? Well, if I can interrupt you for a minute, if anybody hasn't seen the Vimeo video, Lift As You Climb, you basically just verbalize the trailer. The, the that uh, Stephen Pell did about gorilla oh, yeah. pictures all those years ago. Yeah. It's a great metaphor. So anybody looked up 
look up Lift As You Climb so on Vimeo. So old now. It's, it's like the, the red one is <laughs> yeah, yeah. awesome. Yeah, now you can get a visual representation of this story. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, you're right. You're right about that. But I think that even within that, I think I still struggle with... Um, Eric and I were talking about this actually on the drive down here yesterday. It's just this, what is the line between empowerment and entitlement, right? Because on the one hand, you want to continue to help everyone around you level up. We have engrossing conversations. Yeah, we, <laughs> dude, we talked for six and a half hours straight in the car yesterday and did not stop. Uh, did it you figure was, it all out? I mean, that's... I hope no, we don't even know. We were trying to remember what we talked <laughs> about. We couldn't even remember. <laughs> it must have been really useful. No, I'm sorry, but the difference between... Yeah, yeah. In, entitlement and empowerment, right? Because you are trying to create this environment where you are um, giving people opportunity to level up and grow and you know this mutual respect right i respect the pa on a set as much as i respect the dp as much as i respect the actor i think that's some of you know on our sets where like that's a we try to create a unique way of filmmaking where everyone as a human being has the same level of respect as a filmmaker though they do not right and i don't mean that as a slight i just mean like the, the pa is a pa for a reason they have that level of experience they could be an executive producer someday, but they are not right now. And, and I think that that's something that gets convoluted really quickly. This idea of like respecting the humanity of everyone, but also acknowledging the fact that there is a hierarchy. And for the film to work really well, that hierarchy has to be observed. Uh, does that resonate with you at all? Like, how do you, how do you cross those lines effectively? I'm not sure what the right answer is. I think I think every film is different. Every crew is a little bit different. I think you have to be sensitive to the needs of the crew that you're on. So mm -hmm. it, it can it can take very different roles. There could be somebody there could be somebody in a department who's going through um something in their personal life and knowing that okay, that's a part of why this went wrong here. You know, there the attention there is not being um, put because X, Y, Z. Mm. And I think that though, be, knowing when to say, oh, you screwed up the, the painting on the wall and, and, you know, it's not right for the film and saying, okay, how do you turn this into something that works and acknowledging having a, a real conversation with what happened here? What, where was the miscommunication? I think trying to have all those conversations, you know, within the finite time frame of your film is really hard to do. I don't yeah. know. I don't know if I don't know if I've ever done it. I don't think I've ever achieved it. But I You're, think having yeah. that that goal of trying to approach it that way does that answer the question, or is that is that in the right? Realm no, I think of what that's interesting. I think that is in the vein, right? It's a way to because I think that um, it's just it's just a difficult process to be at the bottom, right? So I'm more thinking of like the audience for this even and just say like, sure. okay, I'm coming out of film school yeah. or I'm just getting in the industry. You know, I, thinking back, like I know what I'm capable of, right? And yet I also know that nobody's going to give me that responsibility. You know, how do I provide a service that is respectful to the process while also not being permanently the PA? Or whatever. That's great. Right? How do I achieve? How do I empower myself without, you know, sort of assuming an entitlement that I have not earned yet? That's great. I, I, I've been on many sets where there have been PAs who have come up and said, oh, Black Pro Mist, huh? Cool filter. Yeah, I shot this thing on the blah, blah, blah. And that's that's fine. We can have those conversations, yeah. you know, at the at lunch or something. But yeah. in the moment of, you sure you want to? Use that one here. I mean, I've used this cool one. You should 100%. Try I did that a couple of times. Remember, I was PA and on something. Yeah, I was yeah. PA and on something one time, and I was like looking at the monitor, and I kind of like looked at the producer, and I'm like, light's a little bright, isn't it? And, you learned not um, to do that real quick. It was like one of the first sets I was on. I think it was like 19, you know? And the lights. I just got ripped. Um, and I mean, I don't know that the dude was the most stable guy, yeah. but at the same time, overseeing my bounds. And then sometimes you just get too curious. Yeah. Like I, we, I was a camera PA on the internship we did down in South Carolina back in 02. And this guy, Peter was this AC. And I remember he was like load mags or doing something. I was asking all these questions about lenses and, the, and that he was answering and kind of like looking at me and suddenly he just looked, stopped. He looked at me. He's like, dude, I'm working here, you know? And I'm like, oh, okay. I'm sorry. It's curiosity that made me you know, annoying is 
all get out like in yeah, his yeah. ear. So it, there, when you're talking about entitlement on the set or empowerment, I mean, everybody should feel respected and loved. But if you're overstepping your bounds, if you're an actor who's holding up set because you're having a breakdown, well, I, you know, if you're um, a DP who's just milk going way over on every shot, extending the day, not compromising, you know, that's one thing too, is I've met a lot of DPs for whatever reason, like they just, they tend to be, they're very particular. I'm not talking about you, truly. And this is why I love you. <laughs> Their because... names rhyme with rent wrist. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, like, I've, or I've been on sets where DPs, they're, sometimes they're often, it's one of those uh, the people on set, audio guys tend to be these certain kind of way. Grip guys tend to be the certain kind of way. DPs, for whatever reason, tend to be the most different. And some are super positive and some are super negative. Some have accents, some don't, whatever. They, they come from all around the world and they're all very different people. And um, a lot of times I can find them to be, uh, I don't know, not as positive. Like I really need, I'll just be honest, like for, for whatever that relationship is for me directing with a cinematographer, I need the cinematographer to be positive. Yes. And I don't need that with most people on set. Whatever it is with that relationship, well, I that need person needs to. I need a producer too, I've learned. Mm. Yeah, it's really important. Maybe not the line producer, though, for example. <laughs> you need the line producer to be kind of an asshole. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like a likable asshole. <laughs> yeah, a lot of times line producers above the line love them, below the line hate them. Yeah, you know? yeah it's true. But, but yeah, they're, they're almost the ones doing the dirty work for you. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, they're yeah, the hatchet yeah. man. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I yeah, appreciate anyway, them so I just, much. <laughs> there's a certain type. Yeah, it's, I would just say, you know, know what your role is. Do it well. Smile. Thank everybody. And maybe, you know, the next opportunity might be better and better and better. Well, but. you touched on this a little bit too. Like, I think there is an important relationship between serving and doing um, if you want to level up. And I don't think that that ever goes away. And maybe that's, maybe those are lame terms to put it in or whatever, but it's like, there's so much you can achieve on a film set where you're serving. And the things you can achieve are trust, relationship, reliability. People know that they can go to you. Um, and ask you for something. But if you're also doing, if you're also creating your own things, if you're also like putting that foot forward and trying and failing on your own, creating content, now you've created a series of relationships where when the time is right, you can go, hey, I think I can do that. And they'll be like, really? And then you can be like, yeah, because I did it over here. Like, take a look, right? You have to have both, I think, to climb. And I don't think that ever goes away. Like, I think about the process of, mm. you know, making feature films and I look at it less like a... Um, like a bell curve and more like stairs, right? You're just working up all the like energy you have to like jump to that next step. And it's always a catch 22. It's always like on mana, right? Like we started like calling actors who were just like, you know, it'd be great for this is Pete Holmes. And uh, Pete Holmes was agent, you know, agent was just like, uh, I don't know who you guys are. Like, you know, like, well, you know, we're a couple guys in Michigan. We have a budget. You know, it's like, I don't care. Like, I'm not going to jeopardize a relationship on two guys that I've never heard of before. You want to hear right? something embarrassing? So you hit those walls. Yeah, something. He was there that March of 15, Pete Holmes was, before crashing to do Laugh Fest, which is a comedy festival in Grand Rapids every year. And we were dumb enough. It's like, hey, what do we have to lose? To have Evan Coons who's became Bradley actually, ironically, but was a co-producer at the time and um, still is a co-producer, reach out to the manager directly to ask if we could maybe have just like a little lunch or coffee with Pete to talk about this movie. And I'm kind of, I'm embarrassed telling you that and saying it out loud to the people in Oregon who listen to this. But, but my, <laughs> it's just, yeah, but the point is, is that as you create The manager things, just was a, like, mm, he's busy. <laughs> like, a, a nice way to say, get out of here. But you have to create to earn a seat at that table, right? You yeah. have to prove like you're going to follow through. You're going to make things. These are the rites of passage. And so like you have to be given unique opportunities and earn those opportunities. But you also have to have something stable to lean on to say like, yeah, I've done it before. Like I know, like even just having made a film now, we have an opportunity to have conversations that we couldn't have had before the film. And that's how you level up. That's how you keep on growing and going forward because each time you've you've worked your way a little bit further into the trust circle, perhaps. Yeah, absolutely. And, and to go back specifically to that idea of, say you're a PA, you, you get your way onto a set. How do you, as a PA, become the DP that you want to? So much of that comes from 
even though you don't want to be a PA, do the job well. You know, be the be the guy who's quickest with the walkie bricks. All those little things. Mm-hmm. It's it's so hard to put that into, um, put that into words other than doing the job. And you know, maybe you get asked back to PA on the PA on the next one. The job you're on now is a terrible DP, but the second one might have a great DP. You know, there's all those moments where, and knowing your social cues as well of in, instead of being at the monitor, make friends with the camera PA. Two PAs are right. saying, "Hey, great man, love. What's going on? What's what lens? Why is he using that lens here?" I mean, there's there's other people who can give you the information you're looking for, and who'd be willing to share it and be excited with you, and then maybe you guys go move on together five years from now, and you make friends with that camera PA and that you were a PA with on some other production. Your DP and he's your camera op. You know, there's all these things that can kind of come forth if you if you work hard in the department you're in, regardless of if you want to or not. And That's awesome. You yes. make yourself useful because because other people, the DP will see that you're the PA that everybody likes working with. And if he tells you great job, thanks. I want to be doing your job one yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. You, all, all of a sudden you have a conversation. You always want to be this. You always yeah, want to be a student. Yeah. You know, you always want to be a yes. student. And in always. fact, that's one thing I remember. Yeah that you said to me too, and you, I think you've said to me on a couple of things we worked on together, but specific, specifically on man, after a few days, after we wrapped, you came up to me and you're like, is there anything I can be doing better for you? And I don't know why, where somebody gets that question. And I have to ask, why do you have such that? That's a great question. And, and you're and asking you that doing question, anything we're going through the fire already. Like well, it's presumptively heavy. you weren't doing anything wrong either, but you just were like, surely I can be doing something better for him. I wonder what it is I'll ask. Now, does your father teach you that <laughs> does like your wife did does, you have I a mean, dream where like, do you, where do you <laughs> yeah i mean i've had a lot of good people in my life who've uh tried to get through to me on, on how to <laughs> how to treat other people and i think it's just it just what it comes down to is a culmination of knowing that you've you are in the mix you whether it's good or bad i think that's a, a healthy question or whatever that whatever yeah whatever that question is coming out of your own mouth, you know, f- figure that out. Because I think being able to approach the people you're working with and finding, did I miss something? We're all mm-hmm. going fast. We're all going so fast. How mm-hmm. do we, uh, did I miss something or did I miss a beat here? Or, hey, when I yelled at you when we were on top of the, on, t- on top of the, uh, the blob, <laughs> was that, did I say the right thing? You know, <laughs> You know what? What are, are you the still things? Hurt? <laughs> what, what's the th- yeah? What's the things where I just know that I'm not going to do it perfect? And I think knowing that you go in with your best foot forward, you try to bring everything you can. You're always going to miss something. And mm-hmm. I don't think. And yeah, the the question for me is it's not from a personal place of of make me feel better, give me a compliment. It's more of no, no. Uh, I felt like it was yeah. a real like critique me, and absolutely, you had the grit to actually wait for whatever the response was going to be. And I might have said one or two things. I don't even remember. It don't matter. But it's like you ask a question, you had the grit and you to actually want positive feedback to make yourself better, to make the relationship better, to make the job better, movie better. I think that's something I really envy <clears throat> of, um, maybe this isn't fair. I love your feedback on this, actually. One thing that I envy about the market that you moved yourself to is that you are... Uh, I think theoretically in a position where you are oftentimes surrounded by people with more experience, um, just just overall, just more vantage point maybe on the industry, you know, where we are, where we've created a lot of our content. I'm very proud of it. Like I'm really proud of the community that we've created. It's very tight knit. It's, it's really, it's, a, it's amazing. But it isn't an environment where there's a uh, a host of mentors, right? And so, like, even a question like what you're asking him, is there anything I can do better for you? Sometimes those are questions I long to ask, but, you know, oftentimes you're not in a room where there's a whole bunch of people that could answer it effectively, right? Because in order to ask that question, you do have to have a relationship with someone that could actually have insight into that. And I wonder, like, has has being in this environment, moving to a little more production-centric environment, helped you grow at an accelerated pace because you could ask that question more, you could get more feedback on your process? No, I, I think that that's a nice thought, but a lot of times it doesn't always come out that way. Because I think... Yeah, good, I okay. I, I think from, that's kind of a relief to hear yeah, you say no, that, actually. Well, I think, I think what you get 
in places where there's incentive filmmaking is a lot of people learning, a lot of people coming together. When I was in Michigan, you know, mm -hmm. with you guys, it was all of us coming together and probably five years in, we had a pretty solid crew where we mm -hmm. think we could mm -hmm. hang with anybody who wanted to make, you know, most movies, you know, yeah, great. You know, just light, light the movie, you know, without, I mean, you get into specialty um, underwater rigs. There's a lot of things where- We won't the, go into that. The, yeah, that, I mean, <laughs> I, I hate to talk about that, but, but the, you know, outside of specialty lighting, you get to a place where, boy, I think we could tackle this story yeah. really well. What we don't know, we'll bring in somebody who can help us and help figure out how to light this movie. I think that was the approach on a lot of the lighting departments I came up in and a lot of the people who I worked with in Michigan and Detroit and Grand Rapids alike. And uh, and then, you know, have now being more in the Atlanta area where that's where most of the production hub is, there's a lot of people learning. There's a lot of people who have come into it and, and found their footing. And there's a lot of people who've come from LA and have been those people who, okay, this is where it's happening. I'm gonna be the one to speak mm -hmm. into this. <clears throat> Yeah, so I think, a lot of leadership. Yes, so I think from a leadership standpoint, you, in a lot of ways, you, you just have to be responsible to yourself and know uh, the kind of people you're working around. Know the quality of production. If it comes out great, but you were treated poorly, I think you have to ask yourself: Is do I want to be doing this mm -hmm. this way? Do I want or do I want to? Um, be in a different kind of crew if I'm not going to be working on something of this level, but I step down because I sure love these people. They're not doing that high level stuff for whatever reason. I think you just have to ask those questions of yourself, regardless of where does the ladder take me? I think you need to know your own personal health. What, where yeah. are you good? And I mean, again, taking it back to, you know, people who are just getting on set for the first time. If it's, if you work with a, you, you work on a thing and boy, most of the people, just are not people I'd want to work with again. I love that prop master. I want to get her opinion on take on that away like, from it at like least. What, you know, and asking somebody like that, hey, what what could I be doing? Like, I want to learn about set. You seem to have a handle of it. You know, yeah. there's a lot of craziness going on. When I look at you, you're not phased. What what do I need to do? I think you have to find those people. Xanax. That, yeah. Yes. Yeah. It just answered that question quickly. <laughs> yeah. The, but finding people in your department outside of it uh, in the real world is important. But then, I mean, we're also in an age of social media where you, people's stories are more accessible and you're able to see what is working, what is not working for many people. You see what is happening in the industry very quickly. And, you know, at the same note, industry, industry film, or excuse me, the incentive filmmaking. It's, I mean, there's no promise of anything. You know? Yeah. Maybe no, I, 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 I mind. I've yeah. picked up from a couple of crews and sets and stuff that I'd rather do C work with A people than A work with C people. That's a great way to say it. Yeah. Man. Well, that's a good way to, to end, I think. Dude, thank you for having this conversation. You are a source of wisdom. What, what is your Instagram handle? If people want to follow your lighting plots, they're pretty awesome. Uh, it's Christie. Pause there so for a second. So, so, You're pretty so, confident in that? Yes, it is. It's it's so you'll see my name on the podcast. You just put a dot in the middle of it. Cool. Bob's your uncle. <laughs> Bob's your producer. Yeah, he was. All right. Thanks, thanks Bob. That's All it. Right. Don't be a dick. Bye. <laughs>